are Locked On Cowboys, your daily Dallas Cowboys podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's another crossover edition of the Locked On Podcast Network. I am your host, Marcus Mosher. You can find me on Locked On Cowboys. And joining me today is a very special guest, David Drogemeyer from Locked On Chargers to talk about this big, big week two matchup. David, how are you doing today, sir? Hey, I'm doing really well. Uh, it's unfortunate to, with the news that came out about Demarcus Lawrence. I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit later, but this is a, a big matchup. I think this is a really, really big test. Two really, really good offenses, uh, and it sh- there should be some fireworks on Sunday, so I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, I'll be honest, David. I kind of didn't feel like doing this podcast right now because it's that much of a bummer. So can we can we just start with this DeMarcus Lawrence news? Because Let's do it. It's a big, big downer for the Cowboys because DeMarcus Lawrence was easily, easily their best defensive player he was the only guy on the defense that could you know, to, to rush the passer. David, last week against Tampa Bay, he was on the field for 10 rundowns, and he had four tackles for a loss and four stops. So he was – I mean, he was all over the place taking yeah. on Tristan Wirfs. And now it sounds like he's going to be out – we're seeing reports six to eight weeks. I've heard it's going to be closer to eight to ten. It's that kind of dreaded Jones fracture, which – Unfortunately, we we both know it way too well. It's it's just a big bummer, but I feel like I'm talking to the right guy because me and the Chargers have had some bad luck in recent years, right? How, how do you how do you get over this kind of stuff when it just seems like it, it never stops happening? It's hard. It's hard to do it, especially when you have guys that are just monumental pieces for your team that go out with injury. Guy like Darwin James who <laughs> has had that foot injury uh, and that metatarsal where it pretty much took him out for that entire season. And then he tore his meniscus last season before this season even got started. We were in training camp. He was celebrating a tackle that he had made in one of the joint practices. And at the time, everyone thought, you know, it's going to be fine. Even Anthony Linso, it's nothing. And then, of course, things come back. He's tore his meniscus. He's done for the entire year. And you're just like, this is not happening. This cannot be real life. Derwin James is missing another complete season. And then, of course, Joey Bosa, another one of the Chargers, yeah. just absolute monsters on the defensive side, also has had foot issues and also has had just relative injury issues here and there. And he's missed a lot of time. So, yes, if anyone knows what it's like to be snake bitten by just catastrophic injuries, it is the Chargers. But how do you how do you deal with it? I mean, it's next man up. As cliche as that unfortunately is, is, you have to be able to acknowledge it and get the next guy ready to play because you don't have any other time and you can't, no one's going to feel sorry for you, Marcus. You know that. So you got to go out there. Nobody's going to feel sorry for you. Listen, the rest of the NFC East does not care that you have DeMarcus, didn't have DeMarcus Lawrence. If you don't win the division, oh, well. Um, yeah. So yeah, it, it truly is a next man up. Now, unfortunately for the Cowboys, this is this is gonna be a really tough week to not have him because uh, the Chargers' offensive line looked pretty pretty good in Week One. We're gonna get to all that in just a second, but I just I, I needed to vent for a little bit. This is my first podcast or podcast appearance since the news broke, and honestly, not only just on the field, but it really bums me out because Demarcus Lawrence is a great dude. 
Uh, he he was going to have a fantastic season, and to not have him probably until December, it's brutal. And it's brutal for fans because he, he's a fun player to watch. Um, David, I want to get to your Chargers, but before we do that, just a really quick break to tell you guys about rockauto.com. It's a family business serving auto parts to customers online for over 20 years. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your car or truck and uh, check out the brand specifications and prices that you prefer. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in the how did you hear about us box. They know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com today. All right, David, I want to start with Justin Herbert. He's that dude, isn't he? That's just the question, right? Yes, he is. I mean... Nobody knew what Justin Herbert was capable of coming out of college because that system that he was playing in his last year was not really conducive for his gifts. It was a lot of dink and dunk, a lot of get the ball out of his hands quickly. And when you got a guy who can throw the ball 75 yards on a, on a line and you're not using that aspect of his game, you're not getting the most out of that quarterback. So when he did get drafted by the Chargers six overall. And then he was unceremoniously thrust into the starting lineup after an unfortunate injury to Tyrod Taylor. And he started slinging that ball around. We're like, who the hell is this guy? Uh, where did, where was he in college? We didn't see this yeah. version of Justin Herbert at all. And then he goes out and has one of the most historic rookie quarterback seasons in NFL history. And if week one is any indications, this offense that they've designed around Justin Herbert looks like it is the one to unlock all his gifts, and man, did he look good. I want to talk about the the Chargers offensive line, and I guess we should start with Rashawn Slater. So, David, uh, going into the draft, Lane and my co-host on the show, we, we obviously wanted Patrick Sertan to fall to Dallas at number 10. He did not. The plan all along, at least for us, was draft Rashawn Slater because he's got all the makings of a all-pro guard or a pro bowl tackle. From what you've seen in week one, what are your thoughts on Rashawn Slater? Just absolute excitement. I, I, I could not be any more excited about the pick of Rashawn Slater because it was the perfect marriage of yes. best player available and biggest need. And that never happens in the draft. It's we're hey, we got our we have our board of guys. Uh, and we have the order in which, and we have our needs, right? But it's not always about what's the best or the biggest need right now. It's a projection. But with Rashawn Slater, this was the perfect marriage, like I said. It just, it never happens that way. So when the Chargers were able to get him, and as he was falling and getting closer and closer to the 13, I was talking to my co-host, Daniel Wade, and I was like, hey, I don't care if you got, if we have to trade up for him, I don't care what it takes, just get him. I, and hey, that's why I'm not making the big bucks as the GM, right? That's why it's Tom Telesco, and Tom Telesco was able to uh, take some information that he was given, and and also just show some patience to be able to wait for him to fall right into the Chargers' lap. They take him, and he's by all accounts an absolute animal. Uh, his first game uh, in two years, mind you, because he sat out because of COVID last year in college. 
it was incredible. He had, I think, 49 pass block snaps, did not allow a single pressure, was dominant in the run game as well. Man, that's exciting. The Chargers haven't had a legit left tackle, Marcus, in many years, probably since a guy named Marcus McNeil uh, <laughs> was playing Wanda. left tackle for the Chargers, and that was back in the early, you know, early to late 2000s, 2007, 2008. Since then, they've been looking for somebody to lock down that position, and it, by all accounts, it looks like they have found that in the rookie phenom, Rashawn Slater. I was already depressed going into this podcast, but you waxing poetic about – Rashawn Slater makes me even more sick. I, listen, I just thought it was a perfect opportunity with the Cowboys trading down from 10 to 12. Grab an offensive lineman. I thought the best lineman in the class. Play him at right tackle. Play him at guard. I don't care. He's an absolute stud. I am glad that the Chargers got him. I, I thought Herbert needed somebody like that. I, I'm excited to watch him play this week. Um, all right. We're going to get to some of the other bigger names in a second. We're going to talk about Derwin James and Joey Bosa. But can I ask you like a, just a really, really – low-key guy that I, I want your thoughts on go for it Matt Filer this is a guy that came over from Pittsburgh who played right tackle there he played some guard there obviously the the Chargers signed Corey Lindsay you know all pro center and that got a lot of publicity but I kind of think Matt Filer's underrated what are your thoughts yeah I think it was a phenomenal deal I mean just first and foremost three years about $7 million per year, about $21 million in overall money. And this is a guy who has position flex, who can go out and play right tackle, has played right tackle at a high level in this league, played guard at a very high level. If you look at PFF grades and, hey, you know, we all look at them and sometimes they're a little bit weird and sometimes they don't look sure. like they match up. But he's been solid every year of his career. He's been played at an above average level at both guard and tackle. So to get a guy who has not only some great experience, but some position flexibility. Uh, it's an absolute win for this Chargers team. Their guard play, I mean, let's be real. Their entire offensive line play last year and probably the last three years has been towards the bottom of the league sure. in both sure. pass blocking efficiency and run blocking efficiency. This is a guy who brings his lunch pail to work, gets his job done. He's a nasty type of guard. He brings that size that you're looking for. Brandon Staley said, he wanted to have a physically imposing offensive line. He wanted some guys that are going to look the part and go out there and move people out of the way. That's part of what Matt Fowler brings to this experience and that versatility. So uh, it was a great pickup and I think for a great value as well. I think he's like, and this might sound weird, but like the perfect fourth offensive lineman on your team. Like if he's your fourth best offensive lineman, you're doing really, really well because you're not going to need to protect him on game day. He can move around and play different positions if you need him to. Just think he's a really good player that I'm, I'm sure nobody ever talks about him outside of the the most hardcore Chargers fans. Well, um, and you play him next to Corey Lindsley and you yeah, play him exactly. next to Odeo Bushi and that just makes him a better player. Absolutely. Uh, Derwin James, he's back. I know he's battling a little bit of a, is it a toe injury right now? Um, it's, it's more veteran rest, honestly. It's, an, it's nothing fine, to really right? be worried about. How, how big of a, big of a deal is it that he's back in the line, lineup? Like how much does it change the Chargers defense when he's healthy? It transforms the defense. It, it completely changes it 100%. 100 and 180. I mean, it's a 180 because he can do everything that you ask him to do on the football field. If you want him to cover your number one wide receiver, he can do that. If you want him to play in the box against the run, he can do that too. You want to play, want him to play back. You want him to, to rush the passer. 
He can do all of that. You want him to cover or race a tight end? Anything that you ask Derwin James to do on the defensive side, he can do. He is a true positionless player in the NFL. He is an incredible leader. He's a natural leader. He's the green dot, meaning Mm -hmm. he's the signal caller for the defense, which you don't see a lot of defensive backs with that mantle. Normally, that's a linebacker that handles those responsibilities. So the fact that Derwin James was entrusted with that much, uh, you know, responsibility and having to – do play the calls and also have to be all over the field. Uh, it's really invaluable, immeasurable how much of an impact and how important it is for Derwin James to be back on the field and playing in this defense. David, I got a stat for you. The Cowboys have not won a game where they've scored fewer than 30 points since 2018. So they're really the only path to victory is by putting up a bunch of points every single week. So if there's one spot on this Chargers defense, you think the Cowboys can attack, what would you point to? Yeah. So you, the Chargers defense on the back end is very strong. I wouldn't, I mean, and Hey, that's going to be a really fun matchup because it's going to be strength versus strength in that aspect. You guys have a great passing offense. We feel like we have some really good defensive backs, but the defensive line, especially on the interior, is probably the biggest Achilles heel of this defense, if there is one. Linval Joseph, he's a phenomenal player. He's able to eat up double teams, but he's a little long in the tooth. I mean, mm-hmm. he's a 10-year veteran. Justin Jones is hurt right now. Jared Tillery doesn't really bring a lot against the run. He's a big guy, but he's not a – you know, he's big height-wise. You know, he's yeah, six yeah. foot he's six. He's not wide, yeah. Yeah, he doesn't have a lot of <laughs> – to him he's he's not the guy who's going to attack against the run so that's what that would be the vulnerability the chargers have some great linebackers so if they get past the the defensive line they'll have to contend with the linebackers but that is definitely a a, a spot of contention and a a little bit of a worry for me going up against pollard and zeke uh some phenomenal rushers um so yeah the defensive line that's the area that i would look to attack I'm just so tickled that you mentioned Tony Pollard before Ezekiel Elliott. Just fantastic job by you, David. Uh, I, I yeah. know a lot of Cowboy listeners are going to be very, very happy to hear that. Uh, we're going we're gonna to come back, and David's going to ask me some questions about the Cowboys. But before we do that, I want to tell you guys about Bet Online. We are back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on the are back to start the football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface and even more odds, props, and contests, betonline.ag continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. That is double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use promo code NFL100 from football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait and take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, David, you have the floor. Go ahead. All right, guys. Of course, we're back here on the crossover episode here. David Drogomeyer, Locked On Chargers, joined by Marcus Mosier of Locked On Cowboys. And we're going to spin this thing around, ask you a little bit of questions about the Cowboys and you can't talk about the Cowboys without talking about the head guy, Dak Prescott. Mm. Dak had some shoulder issues. Some, that was really giving a lot of people some, I guess, some anxiety on whether he was going to be able to start the season. Are there any other lingering concerns about that injury? Or are you guys feeling confident that he's going to be ready to go and he's going to be healthy for this season? 
not lingering problems. I still think there's times where Prescott's maybe not putting his full body into a throw. And I actually think the ankle still, it's not an issue, but it's pretty clear he doesn't have the same quickness as he did early in his career. And listen, he's an older quarterback than he was in 2016, but uh, he's fine. As you saw in week one, like whatever percentage healthy he's at is certainly good enough to win games and certainly good enough to put up 400 yards against, I don't know, one of the best pass rushes in football. I think as we get into the season, as he starts to loosen up that arm a little bit more, you'll see him rip some more throws, but he's fine. I, I have absolutely no concerns about Dak. Now, everywhere else on this team, yeah, I've got concerns, but not about number four. All right, fair enough. I'm going to move on to the running back position. I, I talked about Pollard and Zeke Elliott. So, and I hope people don't, I guess, take this the wrong way. But when I was watching Zeke Elliott and when I've watched him the last you know, year or two, it seems like he's running in mud. It just doesn't seem like he has that same burst, that same acceleration, that same agility that he came into the league with. Is that just the amount of carries that he's taken early on in his career or is it injuries or is it just the combination of the both? So first and foremost, I promise my Lockdown Cowboys listeners that I did not pay David to say those words about Ezekiel Elliott because it, everybody knows my thoughts on Zeke. But I agree with you. We're just in a different stage of Ezekiel Elliott's career. And it happens to these 225-pound running backs. Like early on in their careers, yeah, they're able to play at that weight and have the speed. But when you get into year six and you take that many touches, yeah, you're going to lose a little bit of your quickness. Now, that doesn't mean Zeke can't be an effective running back because we saw him block really, really well against Tampa Bay. We, we see him be a really good inside runner. But this guy that's going to break off 25, 30-yard runs is, is no longer there, which means I think the Cowboys should think about getting this closer to a 50-50 split because Tony Pollard, is I think, is trending up, where Zeke is probably trending down. I still think Zeke is higher, but I would like to see them use both of those guys at, at a more equal pace. Okay. So switching over things to the defensive side, I'm going to get into Demarcus Lawrence in a, in a minute, but... The Cowboys threw in just an absolutely amazing amount of draft capital at the defensive side, which I believe they drafted, what, nine defensive players in this draft? Not enough. Not enough. <laughs> so uh, just your your thoughts on the class so far, and, and if you guys feel like there's anyone in this class that's going to be able to impact this defense now and into the future. Well, the truth is we've only got to see a couple of these guys. So we've obviously Michael Parsons. We don't need to spend a ton of time on him. But with Demarcus Lawrence out, he might be their best defensive player already on this team. And I would not be oh. surprised to see the Cowboys use him more as a blitzer, as a rusher, because I don't know how they're going to get pass rush anywhere else. Kelvin Joseph, their second-round pick, is on the injured reserve list, a cornerback from Kentucky. Uh, their third-rounder, Chauncey Golston, didn't take a snap in the preseason. We'll see if he plays in this game. And then Osa Odigizua, a defensive tackle from UCLA, really more of a plugger. He's an undersized three technique that does well stopping the run. Uh, but those are really going to be the only two guys from this rookie class that you see a lot on Sunday. Gotcha. All right. So about DeMarcus Lawrence, obviously I know it's, it's, it's catastrophic. The the fact that he had had the injury, mm -hmm. who's going to be able to provide that pass rush without him there. You have Randy Gregory. That's on the COVID list. Uh, how, how are you going to manufacture that? Do you think they're going to have to scheme some things up or is there any players that the charger fans might not know that they can send after the quarterback on Sunday? 
Yeah, so they, they are in rough shape. Now, the one guy that I will say has a chance to create some pressure, and it's Dorrance Armstrong. Last week against Tampa Bay, he had the he, I believe he had the second most pressures on the team with three. He nearly had a strip sack on Tom Brady. However, the knock on Armstrong has just been he's not a consistent player at all. So I have my doubts. The Cowboys are going to have no choice but, but to blitz in this game and try to scheme things up and try to get that offensive line confused because – they're just not going to be able to get pressure with four guys. They might not even be able to get pressure with five guys because I don't trust you know the four defensive linemen now to even win one-on-one matchups. So I think you're going to have to see a lot of blitzing from Dallas. You're going to see a lot of disguised coverages uh, because otherwise I think Justin Herbert's going to be able to just sit back there and pick apart the defense, and that's no good for anybody. So the Chargers have a lot of weapons on the offensive side. Uh, you got Keenan Allen, you got Austin Eckler, Jared Cook, Mike Williams. I mean, we get, there's a lot of dudes on this Chargers offense. If Besides Keenan Allen, what guy on this Chargers offense do you think brings the most anxiety or concern to this Cowboys team? Yeah, so I'm not really worried about Mike Williams. And, man, I'm probably going to eat those words in a couple a couple days. But I think the Cowboys are going to use Trevon Diggs to match up with him. And that's actually a good matchup for Dallas. It's everywhere else. I think Keenan Allen is going to have – a big mismatch, whether it's Anthony Brown or Jordan Lewis. I'm really nervous about Austin Eckler in space. Now, Eckler did not see a target last week, I believe. Is that correct, David? That is correct. I think that, I mean, at least my kind of guess here, Reed, is that I think the Chargers are going to want to try to get him out in space and see if the Cowboys' young defensive backs will tackle because that's the guy that really concerns me other than Keenan Allen. And I think – Part of that reason was, yes, he was dealing with a little bit of an, a hand, hamstring issue, but also I don't think Chargers wanted to show their whole, their whole hand. And they, they sure. honestly didn't really need to against the Washington football team. So I do expect you will see a lot more of Austin Eckler. But that's pretty much all the questions I have. I know the Cowboys are going to travel extremely well. So that's one thing I'm – or at least the Cowboys fans are going to travel extremely well. So that's one thing I'm very concerned with. Uh, I'm probably expecting a 70-30 split. Cowboys to Charger fans. I, I would agree. Um, how do you think Justin Herbert's feeling going from the Washington defensive line last week to Dallas's defensive line this week? Do you think he's just treating it like a seven on seven? Do you, like, you think he'll even wear shoulder pads out there this week? <laughs> uh, Justin Herbert is definitely licking his chops. Uh, I got to be honest, going up against this defense, uh, that defensive secondary, I think is going to be in for a long day. Honestly, and I think this is a little bit of a spoiler or, or a, we'll say a bullet prediction. I think Justin Herbert's going to throw for 420 yards against this defense on Sunday. Seems low. I don't know why you hate Justin <laughs> Herbert. No, listen, I'm not saying this game is over because Dallas lost a guy. Dallas can easily, easily put up 30 points on any defense. Oh, absolutely. The uh, they're going to have to have a great game plan. I think Kellen Moore is going to have to design – some some really interesting things around not having Lyle Collins to block Joey Bosa. Uh, so they, they're, I think they can compete in this game, but to go to LA and win this game against, I think a potential playoff team this year, I'm not trying to get to it ahead of myself. Uh, it's certainly going to be a tough challenge. Uh, David, tell the people where they can find you and what you've been up to. Yeah, of course you can find me on Twitter at DrotalkSD, SD and you can find all of our shows on pretty much any listening profile or platform that you like to use Spotify, Apple music, Odyssey, wherever you listen to your podcast, you can find us, uh, check us out on our Twitter page as well. Locked on LAC. Check out my co-host on Twitter at Dan talk sports. 
We are always retweeting anything Chargers. Uh, so, and we love to interact. So please hit us up on our socials. We'd be more than happy to talk football with you. Yeah, and you guys can follow me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. You can tune into our Friday show where Landon McCool and I will probably cry for about 25 minutes about the Demarcus Lawrence injury. And we'll save the last five minutes of the show for a prediction. Uh, that's kind of, I'm kind of joking, but kind of not. Uh, David, good luck on Sunday. I can't wait to talk to you soon. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Good luck to you the rest of the season.